getting further than we ever thought we would do. Welcome to the 150th episode of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. Uh, I'm joined in my living room for this very special landmark episode by just one person, because Gustavo had to uh, cancel yesterday evening, and Peter appears to have vanished off the face of the earth. If you've seen him, please get in touch. Um, but we are joined by the ever-reliable Andres Bruckner. Hello. Hello. It's a pleasure for me to be in such an important episode, and uh, after... Yeah, and, and, and more important, to be again re- recording again after... One week off, so pleasure. Indeed. Uh, this was supposed to be the preview episode for the new season. That's now going to be next week because uh, the the new season has been cancelled. It, well, it's not been cancelled, it's been postponed by a week. You probably, if you're listening to this, are already aware of why, but just in case you're not, um, you're going to discover <laughs> over the course of this episode because the episode has been rejigged to uh, be the, the special dedicated to the reason. If um, you had told me in October 2010 that Hand of Pod would one day be 150 episodes old, I would have scoffed. And if you told me that in uh, that we'd be recording the 150th episode um, the day after Julio Grandona stopped being AFA president, I would have laughed in your face. But it's happened. Grandona always said, or he said several times, at least he had a way of contradicting himself, um, that when he left the AFA it would be in a coffin. And that's what's happened. He also said last year that he wanted to step down before he died, and that didn't happen. Um, and there really is no no bigger story in Argentina to talk about. I mean, I think even the debt default is probably not quite as big a story <laughs> as the AFA not being led by Julio Grandona. And, and which is a, a real co- coincidence, because uh, he he finally passed away the the one of the last days, the the the... the Previous to the last day of July, and his name is Julio, which in Spanish means the month we are in. It's, it's, it's like July Grandona, for, to, to, to put it into English words. Or Julius Grandona, because of course the month of July was named after Julius Caesar. Yes. Another great caudicio, which is the word of the week for Hand of Pot. Uh, a caudicio is... Um, actually, Andres, you're Argentine. Why don't you explain for the listeners what a caudicio is? Was in Argentina. It's like a, a, a very important man, very important man in, in terms of of being to, a, for example, for example, a war and and and, and, and uh, defending the the land from the enemies and, and that stuff in terms of war. And there's something of the kind of cult of personality about it as well, right? It, it's the, the one, yes, the one that that uh, is has very very strong personality, which in in uh, it. It's of course uh, clear in, in in the case of Grandona, uh, having uh, been been the president for 35 years, uh, which is well, <laughs> I know it will be almost 10 periods of time. In, if we yeah. have to put it today into a, many, a number of periods in which you are the president, 
Yes, terms. Uh, yes, terms yeah. is uh, the word that's just come into my head for some reason and, uh, and that you were searching for. Um, Dan Edwards, I, I was reading, uh, that's English down to Hannah Pod listeners, um, I was reading uh, his piece on Grandona in today's Buenos Aires Herald whilst I was eating something this afternoon, um, and he made the point that apparently, and I wasn't aware of this, before Grandona took charge of the AFA, no AFA president in history had ever lasted longer than three years. Yes, and and, and, so, and the, the only time that uh, uh, someone uh, uh, tried to to move he, uh, move him from the charge of president, uh, the it was a former referee Teodoro Nitti, mm. who now if he now he's dead too, um, he obtained only one vote, so he wouldn't wasn't able to to take. Uh, the charge of, of president, of course, uh, uh, and so he had no opponents, no no one who could uh, be uh, prepared or, or or be with had had real uh, support to be president as as Grandona had. Indeed, um, how do we pay homage to Grandona on hand of pod? Because listeners, regular listeners, will already be aware. That he uh, was not our favourite person. One, he was the favourite person of anybody in modern Argentine football. One minute of silence? No. No, I don't think so. They they tried that uh, before the Copa Libertadores semi final second leg between Bolívar and San Lorenzo um, last night. Grandona, of course, was also a very high up figure in Conmebol and in FIFA. Um, and the response, at least to judge from the microphones on the television um, transmission of the match, was rather loud singing and chanting particularly from the San Lorenzo fans who were present throughout the, the minute of silence uh, I'm tempted to say and I know you should never speak it of the dead but uh, well in this case that seems to have gone out the window for an awful lot of people and uh, I'm tempted to say that uh, it's the minute silence that Grandona deserved quite frankly um, a lot of people have made the point that um, that the, 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 the matches are being uh, postponed this, this weekend football's been called off across Argentina in every division uh, this coming weekend but what happens when fans get murdered in the stadiums as more fans under Grandona's watch did than, than ever previously um, in fact I wanted to get the numbers up from Salve Mosel Football who are a government NGO so just excuse the clicking as I type in the background um, it's something like 183 deaths under Grandona's watch um, in Argentine football having Prior to him taking charge, there were 103 in the whole history of Argentine football, of which 71 um, happened in in one incident, the, the famous uh, Puerta Dosse, the Gate 12 tragedy at the, at the uh, Monumental during a Super Clásico um, in 1968. Um, Grondona wasn't a good figure for Argentine football. Can we say anything positive about him before we get into the negative stuff? Anything at all? It's it's really hard to to find. Even though I I don't, I'm not fond of of making fun or or even criticize a, a deaf peop, the deaf person. In this case, we we will have to do it because we have to make like a, 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 a we will have to remember how the things he did and and we of course there will be more or much. More bad that, than good things. There's the dog. We were waiting for it to make its uh, appearance. That's what he thinks of Julio Grandona. 
no away, no away crowd allowed, no uh, clubs that are clearly in a critical financial financial situation. Even though that football, since football para todos is broadcasting the matches, uh, are paying much more money than than Tse uh, paid the before football para todos is in charge of the of broadcasting. And even though uh, 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 clubs are, are are almost founded uh, anyway, are bankrupt, mm. and, and uh, uh, that's clearly something very very uh, very bad. Very uh, it's black uh, on his uh, uh, during the period he was uh, president, and it's something we can't we can't uh, of course deny. <sighs> I think if I had to say something positive, it would be that he managed to keep the Argentine national team relevant. Um, but that's really about the only thing that you can say. And even then, it's kind of questionable, isn't it? I mean, he took over when they were world champions. 82 wasn't great, but in his in Granada's second World Cup as president, Argentina won. In his third World Cup as president, they reached the final. But then we had a period of 24 years where up until this year, they didn't manage to get beyond the quarterfinals. Um, they haven't won the Copa America so, uh, since 1993, so I'm not really sure that you can even attribute any real successes to his charge, all, all the same people are doing. Um, it seems a bit bizarre to me, considering what a power they were. And, as you mentioned, the first division has tanked under his watch. No away fans, you've mentioned that. Um, the finances for clubs, which Grandona was caught in a TV sting a, a few years ago, admitting that he deliberately held money back from those clubs to um, to, to keep them in his pocket and to, to keep them needing him more than he needed them. Um, Argentine football really isn't going to... Or Argentine football fans aren't going to miss him, are they? At all, really. Yes. Um, the obvious question, more than uh, just looking back and, and, and talking badly about him, which is very easy to do, um, is to ask what's happening next, though. Because a load of people and a lot of people from outside Argentina particularly um, were tweeting me yesterday for instance and expressing the opinion that well it can only be up from here right it can only get better but in fact that's the big problem uh, you can compare or, or you can uh, uh, share what happens or, or, or what happened in, in, in football to politics because we don't at least I don't see a clear candidate or a clear man who can be in the in the chair or be the chairman of the AFA and and do things correctly, honestly, and and make make Argentine football be in a play in a bigger place. Uh, in, for instance, uh, the one who must not is not something he wants, but he must uh, take uh, the presidency is uh, Luis Segura. The, the who was vice president while Grandona was the president and, and the president of Argentinos Juniors yes um, who well he's, he's not going to be now who was implicated recently in uh, reselling uh, tickets World Cup reselling or, or selling tickets which the tickets that weren't uh, sold as I, uh, as far as I am concerned weren't sold or, or weren't paid by by AFA and Segura sold them so that is not very very clean uh, too uh, um, so well he will be the the, the uh, momentous president as, as the interim president interim president uh, 
until uh, they call for elections, uh, which is, uh, I think, uh, estimated to be in October until October 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, when there will be a four years period, uh, as a, no, the normal period of four years. Oh, I see. So they're, they're holding an election just for one year initially, and then the election that was planned for the end yes. of next year is, is going to happen still. Um, the thing is that all of the people... At this stage, we really don't have any idea who's going to take charge. As you say, um, Segura doesn't appear to actually want the job. He, 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 after decree, says that he has to take it in an interim basis because he was the first of the vice presidents. Um, but he tried to stand down fairly recently. Uh, he has already said, I think I'm right in saying that he's going to stand down for Argentino Juniors. Uh, that he was going to stand out for Marcantino Juniors. Uh, obviously, he, uh, he's had to now, or, or rather he's asked for a, a licence, a leave of absence, whilst he takes charge of AFA. Um, he wanted out of there. Presumably it's not going to be him, but it's going to be somebody linked with the Grandona Maron is one clan, of the... Right? Maron has been linked uh, before this uh, event, which is the, the Grandona's death. He was <coughs> already, had been already linked to the uh, charge of, of presidents, because he is, of course, uh, near to, to, to Grandona, and before uh, Lerche was ejected from, from Colón, also, was also a man who was near Grandona and, and was like mentioned as a possible uh, following mm. president when Grandona quit, when well, in this case he wasn't able to quit because he, he, he finally passed away. Uh, yeah. Um and at FIFA, it's going to affect Argentina a lot. Argentina retain the uh, FIFA vice presidency because that wasn't um, a position that Grondona held personally. It was a position that, that belonged to, uh, basically, to the AFA. It's, uh, there are three vice FIFA vice presidencies held by Conmebol, and Conmebol give one of them to the president of Conmebol, one of them to the president of the CBF in Brazil, and one of them to the president of the AFA. Um, so AFA retain that kind of nominal influence but really Grandona dying is big for FIFA as well because Grandona was president of the finance, finance committee yes. and he was the man in charge of the television contracts for the World Cup he was the man who knew where all the money was basically um, I have said a few times I don't think it's coincidental that uh, Grandona we know that he voted for for Quattro as the host of the 2022 World Cup and yet he's one of the very few um, high up FIFA officials who aren't being Exposed in, in in terms of the dealings that they did for those votes, um, I, I one way of looking at it is that you could uh, suggest that Sepp Blatter has decided to throw his political enemies under the bus because Blatter didn't want the Quatter 2022 World Cup to to happen, uh, or rather he wanted it to happen but he didn't want it to happen in Quatter, um, and so he is uh, <coughs> behind some of the the documents that are going out to the press. In which case it makes perfect sense that Grandona's the only person not being investigated because Grandona's got more influence, arguably, than or had more influence than Blatter. Grandona yeah. knows where all of the money that, that everybody in FIFA has got, knows how much of it's dirty, knows which journalists he can pick up the phone to or knew which journalists he could pick up the phone to and give them a name if Blatter went anywhere near him. So you have to suspect, or at least I've always suspected, that, that whilst the relationship between Blatter and Grandona was always described as one of friendship... Uh, I don't think there was an awful lot of mutual trust well, there. I think it was more <laughs> mutually assured we, destruction, maybe. We could define also Grandona as a very capable 
my <coughs> very 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 uh, well known in terms of what to do the moments in which they had uh, the things he had to do because uh, when Havilland was president he had also good relation with him and when Blatter was the president the same so it's like he he was able to move the, uh, the, uh, independently of the president of FIFA and independently of, of, of any other situations he was like uh, uh, he remained well uh, like a cat when uh, that they, they fall and, and, and and fall uh, being stand, standing standing up, well, the same happens to Grandona or happened to to him. Uh, he he uh, that was a very a good uh, uh, characteristic uh, about him. Of course, not something to say, not not, not something to to clap uh, our hands and say, oh, okay, okay, Grandona, he was good in 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 these kind of things. But well, we have to. To say that that he was a uh, very, uh, very capable of, 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 of how how do you say it when uh, uh, he had very good skills in terms of relationships. That is a good uh, way of saying that. Indeed, yes. Um, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be very interesting to to look at, uh, at what happens in FIFA as well. Now that uh, now this has happened because. Well, the the, the, the the position he held uh, was removed. He, there won't be any a, a, another vice president taking the the, 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 the charge that Grandona held. There won't there won't be any uh, elections or something like that to choose another one. There will that that uh, position will be uh, re- removed straight away. Yeah. Uh, oh, so sorry, the FIFA, FIFA aren't. Yes. Uh, no, they aren't choosing choosing any any other one. <coughs> My word, that's quite a change. Um, and as for what what to expect next for Argentine football, well, who knows? It, it's uh, it's going to be a, a period of discovery for all of us here. I think it's the, fair to say. There was a question. A question. I know if someone uh, really asked that question. Question, but what will happen with the? With the 30 teams tournament, uh, and it will be uh, played because uh, it was already uh, 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 the structure is, is already settled and, and mm. will be played. It, there's no way that the tournament uh, there will be another uh, tournament of uh, uh, 20 teams or something like that. Uh, that no, was the question I heard yesterday. We've not covered much of the structure of the new championship, partly because we don't know what the structure of the new championship is going to be next year still. They're still not decided on exactly how it's going to work. Um, but also because we were saving that for, of course, the, the season preview. Um, but those who follow us on Twitter or, or who uh, read uh, some of the articles that the Hunterpod team write will be aware that, that uh, the, um, the first division, as Andres mentions, is moving to a 30-team set up as from February of some sort although we don't as I say know what the setup is going to be exactly um, and we are going to mention more in detail on that next week uh, but of course the transition um, that is needed for that to, to make that move not so much in the first division but in the second division and, and the lower divisions because the lower divisions are being completely re- restructured um, is kicking off next weekend. It was going to kick off tomorrow, Friday. Um, it's kicking off next weekend, so it's far too late to, to change that now, even yes. even though basically none of the clubs want it. Um, 
it's got to. You, you have to wonder how long that's going to last, though, now that Grandona's gone. But Bale's president, uh, vice president Julio Valdemar, said, <coughs> I think he said yesterday during an interview, that there will be a lot of, of board members of different clubs that will uh, be like more brave, but will be braver and, and, and say. And say the things that they didn't want or do, or, or don't want or don't mm-hmm. like, uh, because it's already it's known that Grandona, when Grandona was the president, uh, these things didn't happen because if they uh, uh, said something, for example, I am I don't agree with this uh, this decision or this uh, uh, tournament structure or or, or well, uh, they, they there will be a fine or there there wouldn't be helped when they needed any money and, 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 and that's, that kind of things. And also not even if they voiced, uh, if they voiced disagreement, but if they voted against him because elections at the AFA Executive Committee are done by a, blo- a bunch of blokes in suits sitting around the table and raising their hands. So everybody knows exactly who's voted for what. Uh, and obviously, Grandona was always returned with a landslide or a, or a complete uh, un- unanimous um, decision. Because nobody wants to be the man who's voting against Julio Grandona. He said several times, if they, if the clubs, if they, standing for clubs, ask me to leave, I leave. But they don't ask me to leave. Because they have no power in order to do that. Mm. Um, the other point is that whoever replaces him is going to be a less canny political operator than, than he was if Segura... As, as you've already mentioned, he's got himself caught up in a scandal at, at FIFA and almost nobody at FIFA even really knows who he is. Uh, and, and whoever ends up replacing Ronaldo long term is, is going to be a less influential person purely by dint of not having been there for, for as long, both in FIFA and, and at the AFA as well. And that makes them more vulnerable, particularly as the AFA president. It might just give some of the clubs, as you say, a bit more confidence to actually stand up and, and make their voice known, hopefully. And, you know, there's also the chance to possibly to, to restructure things and, and end up with proper elections being held rather than raising arms in front of everybody um, and all that kind of stuff. But we're into cloud cuckoo land, I think, quite frankly, if we're going to be hoping too much for that, because uh, it would surprise a lot of people <laughs> um, if that level of, of restructuring, restructuring and reorganisation did come to pass. Um, one thing that I'm surprised by is that this seems to have brought out the best in Diego Maradona, who has very rarely been on good terms with Julio Maradona in recent years, um, but who, it says here, has released a, uh, an image, a very touching image, of when they were both much younger, when Maradona was a player, of the two embracing each other at, I'm guessing at Ezeiza Airport. It's very difficult to tell what the background of that is, exactly that picture, but... Um, uh, and saying, you know, rest in peace, basically, which is remarkably dignified for Maradona, particularly given, you know, just go back to the World Cup when Maradona was showing Grandona the middle finger on live television to the continent. We can't rely on Maradona the way he, he, he talks right now because he can tell you you're, you're a smart guy and the other day that you're stupid. Mm. So it's not very... Well, oh, Maradona, of course, well, uh, it's more, more than... than Respecting is well. He's dead, and this is it. Of course, the, the relatives of Grandona, that they are don't, they are not to blame of the relationship between uh, that had Grandona with uh, with Maradona. So I think that that's the the point that he said. Okay, I send my respect to the to the relatives to, to the family, 
and, and, and this is it. And well, yes, that picture is interesting also. But basically, you're saying that Maradona is still a dickhead. Yes. <laughs> I think I can go along with that, to be honest. Um, what else can we say about him? What else can we say about him? He's dead. That's um, that's the the central issue. The uh, not not necessarily in this manner, um, uh, not necessarily death, but it's something that a lot of Argentine fans have been waiting for and hoping for for a long time. Is an AFA without Julio Grandona, but um, not this way. I think. Being involved, oh, yeah. As I say, not all of them would have. Um, some of them possibly would have hoped that he was uh, that he'd die one day, but um, most of them would would have just been happy with. An AFA which which doesn't involve Grandona, we've got that now, and it's going to take a, a while to really get everybody get our heads around uh, what happens next, and and uh, for for the for the clubs, uh, for the national team, for an awful lot of things, um, for Argentina's political uh, power within FIFA, and, and many other things. Um, so stick with us in the coming weeks and months, and possibly years, and we shall uh, continue to inform you. But it is going to be really, really bizarre next time we have to talk about AFA president and it's not Julio Grandona mm. who's going to take some getting used to. Something remarkable apart from, from that, from the things we have been talking, is that one of the phrases, most famous, most well-known phrases from, from Grandona was everything, everything passes, for mm. or todo pasa, which is the translation. He has a, a ring that says that phrase. And uh, uh, he also said, which is... Uh, in the, at this moment is is relevant. Uh, they will they will have to get me out from Afa with the both uh, feet. Uh, They'll have to carry me out feet first. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although as I as I mentioned, he also did say last year that he wanted to leave the, the Afa before he died. Um, so he says a lot of things, or he said a lot of things. He's, he's not doing anymore. Um, come back after this short musical break and we will tell you because that's not been the only big story in Argentine football there is another something else happened also on Wednesday um, which if it weren't for Grindona's death uh, would be by far the biggest story of the year in Argentine football I think well no actually possibly the the World Cup final uh, might beat it but uh, it's certainly a a huge story in its own right in the history of Argentine football Um, so don't go away Another big story uh, in Argentine football this week, as we've already mentioned, the uh, first round of matches um, has been postponed. It was going to be this weekend and it's now going to be next weekend. It's been confirmed whilst we were talking um, that next weekend will just be the same first round that we were expecting this weekend. They're not going to postpone that round until later in the year and and just play from the second round onwards, Um, which is a big relief to me because I've already written all my previews for it. but the other the other big story was that there was one match, as we've already hinted at earlier in the show, uh, which did take place anyway yesterday, involving an Argentine team, and it was San Lorenzo in the semi-final second leg of the Copa Libertadores, which is why, indeed, we are recording this on Thursday. It was already arranged. 
to record tonight, uh, even before Julio Grandona died, um, because it would have been a bit daft not to mention it. Um, San Lorenzo, the, the, the drama and excitement that we're so used to from the Copa Libertadores was somewhat dampened uh, before the second leg kicks off by the fact that San Lorenzo won the first leg last week 5-0. Um, and even though the altitude at La Paz is stifling frequently to opposing sides, and even though Bolivar had the advantage of playing that second leg at altitude in La Paz, uh, it was sort of difficult to see them really crawling their way back into it, wasn't it? Um, and so it proved. Bolivar did a lot of rather brainless, aimless attacking. Um, they got a goal very late on, a minute and a half into stoppage time. They won one then on the night, and they lost 5-1 on aggregate. For San Lorenzo, it's a little bit of history, because... In fact, you don't even need to say that it's going to be their first ever Copa Libertadores final because this was their first ever Copa Libertadores semi-final, I believe, wasn't it? Yes. They'd never even reached the semis before. Indeed, none of the four teams competing uh, in the semi-finals had ever reached the semis before, which means that we're going to have a first ever, first time winner, sorry, um, when the final uh, kicks off. It's on the first leg is on Wednesday and the second leg is a week on Wednesday. Um, and the first leg is in Asuncion. It's against Nacional de Paraguay, who are about the fourth biggest club in Paraguay or something, I'm led to believe. Yeah, after Olimpia, Libertad and, and... And the other ones, Guarani. Yes. I think it's Guarani. Um, <sighs> so in two, two weeks' time we will have a, a new, brand new champion, champion because none, mm. none of them have, have uh, obtained the Copa Libertadores before. Yes, and also had had reached semi-finals before, not the final. Uh, so oh, they have, have they? Yes. Ah, and, uh, I, I think that the five goals conceded in the first leg, uh, kind some kind of instead of giving air to Bolivar, they it was like a lack of they had it was like a like like they played in in, a, in not in La Paz but in. In, in a place where with no attitude, with no height, sorry. Mm. Uh, because, uh, yes, Bolivar was like desperate, trying trying to score, and, and of course they couldn't because they they, they tried by uh, uh, via crosses uh, to 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 push the ball inside the box and, and was uh, useless. And San Lorenzo was like very, of course, calm down, very at ease because of the of the five goals <coughs> scored in the first leg and, and, and uh, it was the rumor this is very this is hilarious but they that the San Lorenzo players will uh, take a Viagra pill they didn't do they, didn't. Uh, they, they did ahead of the match against uh, against Independiente del Valle in the group stage uh, which was in Quito um, in Ecuador but they didn't do yesterday um, it was reported that it was a possibility. It's something that, that other teams who have played away, um, playing away, <laughs> thank you, uh, in Bolivia have done in the past because it aids blood circulation. Um, but yesterday it wasn't. Uh, they, they said that they had the option of using it, but they decided not to. I think it wasn't necessary because, uh, of course, uh, uh, taking results with two goals or three, it will be e enough even to... to Reach finals because Bolivar uh, uh, finally defeat San Lorenzo one nil only, and they need of course four more goals. Uh, and they never really look like doing. I mean, San Lorenzo no. looks very comfortable. You look the you look the goal. Uh, if you look again at the goal uh, scored by Mercier, for example, the three nil, 
uh, scored in the in the Nuevo Asometro, you see a, a, a very disconnected team, a, a defender that uh, 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 practically gave the ball to Marciero, or it was a horrible uh, horror a mistake that it's incredible for the semi-final team, and, and Marciero uh, that uh, uh, grabbed the ball and scored it easily, so uh, uh, I think it's uh, deserved, fully deserved uh, final for San Lorenzo, who had uh, I think uh, strong rivals in order to, to, to reach final than Nacional de Paraguay, because if you take from round of 16, uh, they had to play against two Brazilian teams, which were Cruzeiro and Gremio. Mm. Uh, they were both pretty bad, though. They weren't they, that good, but they are Brazilian. And, and in the case of Nacional de Paraguay, uh, they had to face uh, Vélez in a round of 16, which I think it was, in terms of name of the team, stronger, the strongest. And then uh, they had to, to face uh, Arsenal de Sarandí and uh, Defensor Sporting from Uruguay, which are, of course, respecting those teams, they are smaller, I think, than, than, than Cruzeiro and Gremio. But well, uh, then the, the, we, you have to play the games and that, but I think that they are, uh, previously they are smaller teams. Mm. Than Do you think it's been a weak Libertadores this year? It's been, well, it's marked by the fact that it's the first ever, as um, some listeners will know, uh, the, the Libertadores knockout stages are seeded. Uh, they, they take the standings. Um, of all of the group winners and of all of the group second place and, and they put them in, in order so that the the best group winner plays the worst second place side the second the best two worst the teams and yes. the 15th and 16th seeds are the teams who are in the final um, it's the first time that's happened since, yes, since this system began in 2000 I think it was wasn't it um, so do, do you think it's been a weak Copa the Brazilian teams as I, as I mentioned have but been San Lorenzo is very weak. I think that they showed the I don't know. I, I, we won't say it was brilliant, but they showed a good game, a good style of play. Uh, they, they, you can say it's Bolivar, but they have they. You have to score five goals in the semi final, which is difficult. Depend independently of the rival you are facing, and, and uh, uh, yes, could be because of the they are the, they were the worst teams of the uh, group phase. Uh, which had never happened before, but uh, um, I, and Nacional de Paraguay, the I think they won, they they defeat in the group phase to Atlético Mineiro, could be or I am wrong. Uh, I'm just trying to look it up now. Once we've got the which, because Mineiro was who uh, <coughs> recently obtained the the Recopa Sudamericana against Lanús was uh, the last champion. The, the, uh, and, and, and they were a strong, a strong team, but they, they they finally couldn't reach the, the final phases. Atlético uh, Mineiro uh, won Group Four. Just uh, Nacional finished oh. second in Group Four. Atlético uh, Mineiro won it with twelve points, and Nacional had eight. Uh, but you were asking whether they managed to beat them, and the answer to that is. They drew in Asuncion and they drew in Belo Horizonte as well. Um, 2 2 and 1 1. Uh, so, no, they didn't. But um, it'll be an interesting final, I think. Nacional have been very parsimonious 
Um, they've they've not really they've done well by not letting many goals in, which is in the knockout stages, which is quite a turnaround from the group stage because they conceded ten goals in six matches um, in the group stage and actually finished second in the group with the worst goal difference in the group, which is remarkable. Um, since then, they have won all of their home legs. 1-0 against Berles, 1-0 against Arsenal, and then 2-0 in the first leg against Defensor Sporting um, of Uruguay in the semi-final. Um, and that's basically how they've got through. I think they played... Uh, they were a good different uh, in the away condition. Um, and they have, a, I think, a good, very good player which who is playing silently. He has no marketing, which, who is Berles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's he's been very good. They've also got an Argentine goalkeeper, haven't they? He's yeah. from Santiago del Estero, I think, and he gave a post-match interview on Tuesday after the semi-final win and came across as a very nice man, but I've never heard of him before, and I can't remember his name now. Uh, maybe I should look him up and <laughs> give him a mention on Hand of Pod. <coughs> of course, Ignacio Don. Nacho Don, of noble origin. Um... That's what Don means in Spanish. Um, yeah, you've seen in Spanish Don to uh, an old man. Yes, Julio Grandona, for yes. instance. Yes. Although he didn't really merit the title, but it was what everyone called him anyway. Um, it, it's uh, from uh, De Origen Nobel, of course. For I'm not saying that for Andres' benefit, I'm saying it for the benefit of anyone who's learning Spanish and listening to us. Uh, <laughs> um, Nobel? No, Noble. Noble is something, someone who is. Loyal and, and Nobel is new, so yes. So noble is yes. is the word I was searching for, not Nobel. I apologise. Um, but anyway, yeah, Nacho Don, who played, uh, I think he's played most of his career in Paraguay. Yeah, he's never played in Argentina, even though he is Argentine. He's played for Nacional, then went to Huachipato in Chile, then he went back to Nacional, then to Rubio New, and now back to Nacional again uh, since 2010. He's won three league titles uh, with Nacional. Um, he was very, very, very good on Tuesday against Defensor Sporting. What was the result? 1-0. Defensor Sporting, wasn't it? Yeah, they yes. won 2-1 on aggregate. No, yeah. um, this is the, the level of analysis that, that we bring you every week on Hand of Pod. <coughs> Ahead of the final, San Lorenzo are going to be favourites, right? Yes. Not only for... <coughs> excuse me. Not only in Argentina, but um, I think most people, I would imagine, outside are going to be looking at San Lorenzo's favourites, particularly after the, the first leg um, victory over Bolívar, which was a bit bizarre, really, because Bolívar, before the World Cup, i.e. up to the quarterfinals of the Libertadores, looked like a very good team. Um, they got some decent results away as well as at home. Um, and in the first leg of the, of the semi-final, which, of course, we didn't cover on Hand of Box, it was last week and we didn't record last week, they were useless. They, they defended dreadfully from set pieces. Three of San Lorenzo's five goals came from set pieces. The other two, it had to be said, were, were both very good goals uh, from open play um, from Juan Mercier and Julio Buffarini. Um, but I was quite surprised that, that Bolivar played quite as badly as they did in the Nuevo Gasometro. <coughs> it does still mean that, that uh, Nacional are going to be up against it, or, or at least are going to be aware of the of what a threat San Lorenzo pose at home, right? I think that they were like uh, scared because of the of the stage they, they were in, and 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 uh, that perhaps uh, put some clouds in 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 front of them, and uh, because the yes defending was terrific, they they 
practically they didn't mark uh, in the in the free kicks where Saranzo scored most of the goals. Two goals from Emmanuel Mas, which, which is uh, strange. One from Matos, one from Farini, and one from Mercier. Not, not only is two goals from Emmanuel Mas strange, it's the first time it's ever happened in his career. Yes. It's the first time he scored more than once yeah. in a game. Very easily scored because uh, they, they, they jumped and, 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 and headed the ball with no opposition. Mm. Uh, that is, well, for a team that is playing semi finals, awkward yeah. and it's not very common. No, although we have seen it, it's becoming something of a habit now because, of course, it's uh, very similar to how Germany scored their first goal against Brazil um, in the semi-final of the World Cup this year. Um, it was it was quite bizarre to watch. But um, San Lorenzo, as we say, are in the final. They play in the first leg on Wednesday in La, La Paz. No, in Asuncion. Playing in La Paz would be unusual. Um, and then they have the second leg at home. And unfortunately, Mariano's not here. Because, of course, he was at last night's game and he can only get one week, one evening a week off work. Um, but we hope to have him in for a special if San Lorenzo win, anyway. He's going, he's he will be in Asuncion, as, as far yeah. as, I am, as I've read. As yes, at least judging yes. from his Twitter account, it looks like he's yes. going to the first leg as well. Um, which is an interesting one because uh, uh, Matthias Laments, the, uh, the San Lorenzo president, says that he is talking to his uh, Nacional equivalent... Um, and is trying to get them to, to allow San Lorenzo to have 10,000 tickets, even though Conmebol regulations state that they only have to have 4,500. I wonder whether San Lorenzo are going to be as generous with Nacional's fans as they want Nacional to be with their own. What do we think? Are they going to give give Nacional twice the, the allocation? Well, we will see how relations go. In, in terms of hospitality, Tinelli was very, very happy very glad on, on, on Bolivar, uh, uh, how Bolivar behaved on, with, with San Lorenzo, the team. And so we hope that, uh, that the diplomacy is, uh, is, takes place in this case and, and, and they are equivalent in terms of, of tickets that one team gives the other one. So the same amount, but if Comebol uh, states, uh, states that they are, uh, the, the, the figure must be 4,500. Four, uh, well, mm. I don't know what, how, how come they can achieve a, a special measure or a special, uh, a, I know, a permission to get uh, more than, than double that figure. I don't know. Indeed. Uh, so we shall see. Um, we need, I think, a word apart for Tinelli and, and Matthias Laments because when they took charge, and it is very much they, uh, we've always seen um, Matthias Laments as the kind of puppet to, to Marcelo Tinelli, the, the media mogul who I normally describe as Argentina's version of Simon Cowell. Um, he, he's very much sort of appeared to be the power behind the throne. And, and when they took charge of San Lorenzo, when they won the elections, um, I think a lot of people outside the club, particularly, sort of mocked that a bit and, and said, well, you know, how, how good are these guys actually going to be for the club? It turns out they've done all right. <laughs> they, they took over when San Lorenzo were, were in real threat of getting relegated. Yes. Um, they, they were in a complete mess institutionally. They have, between them now, these two have, have done a good job, from what I read, of, of taking uh, the club's debt down. They have taken the club out of relegation crisis and to the point where they won a league title last year. 
um, and are, are regularly challenging and, ha- and have a decent team. They have got them into their first ever Copa Libertadores final, and they're the directors who've, who've managed to actually seal the return to Boedo and, and get the club back to its, its rightful home, if it happens, of course. There, there's still a long way to, to go there. Um, but it looks like it's going to happen. So, I mean, do we have to now accept that Marcelo Tinelli might not be a completely clueless idiot <laughs> and actually might be uh, quite a, a canny operator? Is he a future AFA well, president? Well, <laughs> that's something, a hidden, a hidden one, perhaps, a hidden one. But we have to say, the Hanapal listeners, that uh, Marcelo Tinelli, he also is a TV host, host and, and he owns, a, 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 like, a, to, to say it a, norm, a, correctly, a, a Dancing for a Dream program, which in which a, the lot of... A, Semi-naked um, uh, girls dancing in a pole. And I, I believe it's actually the Argentine franchise of something in the States, which is called Dancing with the Stars, I think. Uh, I can't remember precisely, but I think the American version is called Dancing with the Stars and is significantly less soft porno style, Well, from what I've heard. Same as, as, as this uh, Argentine version. So uh, perhaps the shocks had to do with that, with Tinelli being the host of that program. And and and, uh, and apart from that, before he uh, Tinelli or and Lamens were president and vice president, uh, it was said that they would uh, bring money to San Lorenzo in order to take players, and that is not very. That is not a, a, the supporters don't like these kind of things because they think that they will they will take them they take the players to the club. Putting, of course, paying the, the money that they have to pay, but then six months be, uh, after they uh, take the player back, and there is no uh, <coughs> return of the money. No, the player is not anymore in the club, and they have to uh, take any other player. So uh, that is that was uh, something that the San Lorenzo supporters, including Mariano, thought that would pass. And well, this didn't happen, and now Lamen Santinelli are. Our board members are well. Are the, the one the, the most important men in San Lorenzo? I know in history, but in recent history they are. So uh, yes, no one thought that they will be this good. And finally, they reach a lot of things. As as you said, the the, the Boedo comeback, the title. The, now they are almost have won the Copa Libertadores. So. There are, there are a lot of things, uh, positive things. I'm sure Mariano would want me to punch you in the arm for saying that they've almost won the Copa Libertadores already. He don't want, I'm sure he wouldn't want a mufa um, <laughs> on, <laughs> on, from hand of pod. Um, but uh, as we say, they're probably going to be favourites. I'm saying that with a big grin on my for face. For sure, for uh, sure. Because we, we don't mind mufaing San Lorenzo. If, uh, but I, uh, as far as, as I am concerned, he said that Fine, uh, hopefully, hopefully we will be able to record a special episode in three weeks' time. Yes, and that's uh, that's more of a mover. Yes, probably. Um, on this note, I think that we will. No, in fact, what we'll do is just play a little bit of music, and then we'll come back for a very brief section, uh, rounding up some of the ins and outs in the Argentine transfer market ahead of next week's big season preview. So don't go away.
by the way, during that break, that we haven't even mentioned the name of Alejandro Sabella yet in this episode, and we're going to have to because uh, he uh, might be the man who killed Julio Grandona. Um, he <laughs> took his decision, he took his time to make his decision, and his decision has now been made. Uh, he is stepping down from his charge uh, as manager of the Argentine national team. Um, there were one or two people suggesting uh, very quickly, and I didn't see the rumour last for very long on Twitter after Grandona, um, after Grandona's death was confirmed, um, that the heart problems that caused the heart attack that he died from were exacerbated by the stress um, of Savela saying no to him. Managers don't say no to Grandona. Managers resign from Argentina because Julio Grandona leans on them to resign. Um, but I think for the first time in his presidency, a manager actually made his own decision and it wasn't the decision that Grandona wanted him to take. Grandona wanted him to, to stay on as boss. Um, so Grandona's death, in a way, um, affects the, the national team or could affect the national team quite significantly because it opens a few doors to to new managers. Um for example, if we're really going to, to throw ridiculous names out, but so just one example would be Carlos Bianchi, um, who has long said that he will never manage uh, Argentina as long as Julio Grandona is in charge of the AFA. And his present is not uh, as good as us. I don't mean to suggest for one second yeah. that Carlos Bianchi should actually be the manager, but uh, Jose Pecoran, for instance, um, is was one of the names that was being very, very widely touted. Uh, as a possible successor to Sabella, um, even before Sabella's uh, decision was confirmed, because it was long suspected that he was going to step down. Um, and Pekenran is, is another of these people who might not be happy to work with Grandona, having done it before. There were there were serious suggestions that, that Pekenran didn't want to, to retake the Argentina job when with Grandona in charge of AFA. Um, I've heard it mentioned, although I don't know how much truth there is, that Jorge Sampaoli... Was, was another who wouldn't be happy to work with Grandona, although, to be honest, I think Sam Pauli would love the opportunity to manage his country, and I doubt that uh, Grandona would have got in the way of that. Um, but it does seem like Gerardo Martino is the, the favoured man. He has the requisite experience, both at club level and international level, of course. He's managed Paraguay in the Copa America and at the World Cup, um, and done a pretty good job in both cases. Um, and he's crucially as well, he's currently unemployed, so they won't have to pay any yes. um, any rescission fees to, to his current employers. Um, it looks like he's going to be the man. We were due for announcement on Monday, but of course, Grandona dying means that the AFA is shutting down for seven days, believe it or not, in morning. Um, and we're not going to hear anything. Savella was due to give a press conference at four o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, um, which was also cancelled. Uh, we will keep you up to date with what happens in the Argentine national team manager's job, and we will give our opinion on the new man once we know who that new man is. Um, but transfers, big transfer news in Argentina? Not that big. Ooh, I think there's one. The Primera División, when it does start at the end of next week, unless someone else dies, um, is going to be without Juan Roman Riquelme. Uh, because he has moved to a second division team. He's moved to relegated Argentinos Juniors. Um, you will have to invite uh, German Dan to... Yes, yeah, we will certainly be inviting German Dan on. Uh, well, he's invited on every week. In fact, he's competent to the emails, but he's rarely able to make it. But we'll be hoping that he can make it um, a little more frequently to give us a lowdown on Riquelme at Argentinos. Argentinos, of course, the club who produced Riquelme, although... He's never played for their first team. Uh, he moved to Boca uh, just after completing yeah, the I think, reserves, I think. I think biggest transfer <coughs> today is 
the one that Skoko returned to Newell's uh, after a, a not even played for, for Southampton. Oh, I've seen a picture of him in a Southampton shirt on a pitch, so I think he did play, but he certainly didn't play uh, very much. If, it, if Well, I was going to say if at all, but I've just certainly played. Um, but yeah, he barely featured. Um, it's also worth mentioning David Tresege, who returned to River Plate on loan, uh, having been loaned, sorry, to Newell's old boys, um, who had been told by club president Rodolfo Donofrio, you're going to be in the team next year, I'm going to be uh, leaning on you. To, to uh, leaning on Ramon Diaz to, to play you and then of course Ramon Diaz stepped down Marcelo Gachado has come in as River Plate manager and Gachado had a word with Tresaga and said you're not, you're not the team Tresaga today has signed for Pune I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly Pune City um, in the Indian League um, and it looks like he's going to end his career there rather than at River Plate which is where he always wanted to end his career uh, which is a bit of a pity really I mean given what he gave to them um, when when he, he came to the club uh, a couple of years ago. Um, other really big stories are, I mean, Boca haven't really managed to replace the Riquelme, which in a way could be good because it might force them to not build all the, their play around one man who takes amazing free kicks from time to time. Um, but it's causing a few people to panic. Lucas Biatri's left, among others, and I think basically the, the players who, who uh, Boca have left, they, uh, who've left Boca, sorry, I think Boca have done quite a good job to get rid of them in most cases. Um, eternal promises is the way that Laredo puts it. They're, they're always promising and it turns out suddenly you realise they're about 27 and they're still a promising player. Um, anyone done particularly strongly in the market that you can think of? No, no, not that, not that strong, I think. It's... River have been a shitstorm, I think it's fair to say. Uh, not only has Tresaga left, but they've also... Uh, Fernando Cabanaki is out injured for, for a good while. Uh, Teo Gutierrez is completely taking the piss out of the entire club, as he always does at every club that he is at. And I don't know why River wanted to sign him. And I said this, I think, when we when they did sign him. Um, his, his agent, Efraim Pachon, said, open, openly said that he will be... He will be... He will play for Sevilla. He is, he's eager to play there so well we can say about that that he's not he doesn't want to play anymore for River in any way even though he said a lot of times he's a supporter indeed um, Carlos Carbonero's um, career path is taking a rather bizarre turn at the moment because he uh, is of course owned by owned his, his rights are owned by an investment group um Sorry, I just stopped talking. I was looking at the television. Andres was pointing some, some goals at me and I forgot that I was recording. His, his rights are owned by an investment group, Carbonero, uh, not Andres. Um, and they had taken him off to Spain. Valencia, was it? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Well, that was a good guess. Um, <laughs> they they took him off to Valencia where he failed his medical. And uh, I've seen something tweeted whilst we've been recording uh, saying that apparently having failed his medical and... and tried to return to River. Uh, the investment group who owns his rights don't want him to return to River, so he's currently without a club. Uh, presumably he'll find one pretty soon. I wouldn't expect him to be without one for too long, but at the moment it's a bit of a bizarre decision. We think, do we not, that Eder Alvarez Balanta is staying at River at this point. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, well, <coughs> it was said that there was, a, there was an offer, an offer, a very important offer from Valencia also, for 6.5 million euro, but uh, 
uh, he has no passport, European passport, and that's uh, difficult. Be that's something difficult because Valencia has to before before buying Eder Alvarez Baranda, they have to sell a, a, a non-community player, a non-European community player, to, yes. in order to uh, get Baranda. So we don't know if he finally will be at Valencia or no. It's very very good offer but uh, and, and and we we have seen before recording that uh, Valencia is also looking for Enzo Perez who played for Argentina mm. in the World Cup and is now at Benfica so we don't know if he has of course the the community passport or not and that will decide he's, he's been in Portugal for a while now it wouldn't yes. surprise me if he's got any passport yes, or some sort um the other thing, and sorry to, to keep going with River, but they really are an endless source of, of mirth, I suppose, for non-River fans at least, uh, is that they have been uh, increasingly anxious to sign a striker because it turns out that if you let David Trezeguet and if you let David Trezeguet go, and if you are employing Teo Gutierrez during a transfer window, then you're going to end up at some point with no strikers, uh, particularly with Kavanaki injured. Um, they've got a bunch of very promising kids, of course, but uh, you, you don't win titles with kids. Uh, as somebody on British television once very famously said right before Manchester United did so. Um, and to that end, River have been chasing Lucas Prato. And fortunately for them, uh, he is uh, at Vélez Sarsfield, who own his rights, I believe. He's not owned by an investment group. Um, and who are fully aware that he could go to a European club who would pay a lot more money than River Plate can afford to pay him, or indeed than any Argentine club can afford to pay him. They want $10 million, I believe, and River have offered $5 million, which is... Yes, $10 million is the rescission close, I think. It's a... Yes, uh, $9 million it might be, in fact. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're quite right. Um, it, it's the it's the release clause on his contract. And Vélez are fully aware that, uh, that if they really wanted to, then they could tout him around Europe and probably find somebody to pay it. Um and they don't need to sell. Unless they're in a good financial position, as they have been for ages, by Argentine standard. Um, so, so why let him go? Um, so, to that end, River are now interested in the man whose goals Andres was pointing at me on the TV when I stopped talking a minute ago, Jonathan Cristaldo, who is a former Vélez Sarsfield player um, and is currently playing for Metalist in Ukraine, or of course, not playing as, as it, the case may be um, he is one of the several Argentines and I think a couple of Brazilians who don't want to, to return um, and another former Vélez uh, Chucky Ferreira Chucky Ferreira, uh, Ferreira from Shakhtar looks like he's signed for somebody in England but I can't remember who mm. or it looks like he's, he might be signing for somebody in England um, West Ham? No surely not West Ham they've already signed Sarate they'd be going crazy with ex-Vélez strikers um, so Cristaldo could be an option, um, apparently it, it, it would appear. Uh, but Albertengo is not mentioned anymore because after Skoko uh, arrival to news, it was said that it will be, it will be Skoko or Albertengo from Atletico Rafaela. Yeah, and now it was Skoko or Prato. Prato. Neither will go to River. Albertengo's name is a bit of a funny one because when you look at the other stri strikers they've been linked with, Skoko, Prato, Cristaldo. Now they're all. Nines of the area, as, as we say on hand of pot. Um, whereas Albertengo is not really; he's it's a, more more of a second like striker, Kevin's and he drops wide. And exactly, yes. um, so it was a bit of a strange one. He's not really the kind of striker that they that they need or that they have been chasing, other than other than him, um, yes. basically. Um, 
that's about it, really. I don't want to go on, on, on and on about transfer news for names that our uh, listeners won't have heard. So for now, I think, uh, after an hour of recording, we can wrap up. Um, it's been emotional, as ever. Uh, thank you very much for getting us through 150 episodes, listeners. We would not do it if, if you weren't listening to us. Um, so thank you very much for the support and the kind comments. Oh, questions. We've got listeners' questions. Don't go anywhere. Here's some music. Okay, this is questions. We have one from Abu Flan, who says, which coach would give Argentina the best shot in 2018? We have already discussed this. It would be apparently Martino. We have to wait until the... But which coach do we think would be best yeah. for him, rather than which coach does it looks most likely? I, I think Martino will give them as good a shot as anybody. He, he's shown, with his time at Paraguay especially, that he's capable of, of putting a defence together, which is something, of course, that, that Sabella really yeah. um, gave to Argentina. It was a much more solid defence than they had before. And Martino can also uh, utilise the attack as well, I think. Some, some said that Martino uh, wouldn't be chosen because he, he had criticised AFA organisation and the, and the mm. tournament's organisation, and, and that, that wouldn't be... Uh, well, the, you criticise me, I won't hire you, because... Uh, it's like they, they, there is not a, a comp- it's like something strange. Well, I say that you are stupid, and, but you are you are my friend, and, and you're you're stupid. Or it's like you're, I criticize you, you won't take me into account to to, to come on the pot. Yes, um, and yet in spite of that, uh, Gerardo Martino is very much welcome on Argentina's football association's version of the pot, which is the national team, of course. Um, so I, I think Martino would be a good choice. I wouldn't mind seeing Peckerman given another chance, but he wants to stay with Colombia. Uh, he, he wants to respect his contract there. He hasn't still he still hasn't decided decided what he will do. But uh, his formal uh, uh, in the formally he's the, the still the, the coach of Colombia. So. Mm. Um, Joel says hello to us all. Hello, Joel. We were hoping to have you on this week, but unfortunately couldn't make it. Tom Robinson says, shouldn't you be in seven days of mourning? The answer to that is no. Um, Nodgy CFC Regista says uh, he's got a couple of questions, and they are answered, in fact, on other episodes, one of which hasn't been recorded yet. Um, He says, first of all, how do you think Argentina should build up to the next World Cup? And the answer to that is, please listen to episode 149. Um... Then he asks, could you explain a bit about the new league system and do you think it's a step forward or backward? The answer to that will be on Handpod 151, which will be next week. Uh, and then he says, regards to all of you, and I want to say I missed the show. Thank you very much indeed. It's very kind of you to say so. Um, Jay Dizzle has, wow, he's gone crazy with questions. He sent us loads. First of all, he says, do you think Facundo Ferreira would be suited to the Premier League or would another European league suit him more? I I think he'd do okay in England. I actually uh, said this to Ed Malian on Twitter earlier. I think he'd do well uh, in England if he got the time, but that's a very big if, and I don't think that he would do, ultimately, in, yeah. in the English League. Um, but I think if he actually was given time to bed in by a far-sighted manager, that he could do well. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him in almost any 
uh, more visible league, i.e. one that I've got on the TV, other than the Ukrainian league, which I don't have access to, and I don't think anybody in Argentina has access to. Um, He says, what do you think of San Lorenzo's chances in the final of the Copa Libertadores? If they're victorious, does it eclipse everything else that they've ever won? Uh, I think they've got a very good chance. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, and yes, of course, it eclipses everything else they ever won. It would be by the distance the most important trophy they've won. I mean, it's the most important trophy that a South American club can win. So, yes. Um, he says, with Grandona's death, will the AFA become more transparent or will it remain as enigmatic as ever, especially read the league system? I think, I think that, as I have already said, things will get perhaps even worse because it's, it's not something you expect, the death of the president. So you have to like put things in order very very quickly and that's something that AFA showed they can't do so I don't think in, in, in spite or even though that Grandona perhaps was like hated by a lot of people his death won't solve anything I think mm. I'd agree with that um, he also uh, yeah and as for, I'm not sure that the league system is enigmatic as such but uh, uh, there are always going to be idiots who are not completely convinced by the idea of just having a league system, a proper league in Argentina. Um, in the long term, if they become unpopular enough, who knows, maybe the Promedios could go because that was Grandona's baby. But uh, I don't think there's really the opposition to them that, that's required at the moment. Um, and he finally says, is this San Lorenzo side a great side or have they benefited from a less competitive field? Um, would you have predicted them to get to the final? kind of answered the first bit already earlier on but would we have predicted them to get to the final I think that's a good question actually I yes. don't think I would have done before the tournament started purely because they're San Lorenzo yes not <laughs> before won it and we didn't expect them to, to but when to they they qualified to the to the run of 16 with the, the way they qualified yes a lot of times when you qualify like that you do then you became a, you become a candidate so after that, yes. Phenomenally luckily, basically, and, and yeah. at the very, very last minute of a, a match that wasn't even the one that they were playing, uh, it was almost entertaining. Um, and at that point, I think we did, all of us said, they've got to win it after that because they've clearly got the, the luck of champions. Um, those are all of the questions. So now we really are going to wrap up. And I will say again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much indeed for continuing to listen and support the podcast. Thank you for everybody who's ever uh, recommended a friend to, to listen to it as well and, and has helped to spread the word. And uh, hopefully we'll be back here in just under another four years. Um, celebrating episode 300 but who knows we're not going to get ahead of ourselves and who knows how many AFA presidents we'll have got through in that time uh, having only had one so far in our history um, for now it is goodbye from Andres pleasure again again pleasure to be in such important episode like number 150 uh, 50. so well uh, thanks, thank you and goodbye And it's uh, goodbye from me, and if anybody has seen Peter wandering around looking dazed and confused, please do uh, put him on the nearest bus back home. Goodbye. (laughs) 